0: I'm Jen Zobel. I'm Katrin Redfern. I'm Matt Fiddler. And I'm Ann Poston. Welcome to Play for, Play for Voices.
1: Play for Voices. Play for Voices. Play for Voices.
0: Play for Voices. In this episode, we bring you the second half of I Regret Nothing by Romanian playwright Chuba Sikhe. You got to hear a little from Chuba at the end of the first episode, and we'll return to him at the end of this one. We'll also bring you our conversation with Cristina Vatulescu, a literature scholar who's written about the Romanian secret police. I Regret Nothing is a three-character play set in an unnamed Transylvanian city circa 2006. Its protagonist, Dominic Cormos, is a retired agent of the Securitate, the notorious secret police agency of communist Romania. In the first half of the play, Dominic was visited by the two other characters, Alex Tima and Liza. Alex, one of Dominic's former Securitate subordinates and now a high ranking agent in the Romanian intelligence service, planted a bug in Dominic's apartment and attempted to blackmail him into performing a high stakes mission. And Lisa, Dominic's sixteen year old neighbor, turned up asking to use his toilet when her abusive father's daily tirade kept her from her own apartment. An unexpected friendship between Lisa and Dominic sprouted from a shared love of dogs. And now the rest of I Regret Nothing.
1: Toto
2: je mai náklad, co jsem mod normal, jsem se Normalní, že jsem měl. Normalní, <laughs> Lisa,
3: what,
4: what? Hello, Mr. Domi. Is your offer still on the table? Offer? Yes. You said I could move in here if I wanted. Did I? Yes. Don't you remember? Well,
3: I remember, but you, that wasn't an offer. It... What was it then? Um... <laughs> Well, how do you call it when you say something, but you mean something else? Just, just the opposite. Irony? Yes, irony. You kept coming in, so i oh,
4: I see. Forgive me for bothering you, Mr. Domi. Oh,
3: wait. I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. I, I should have known that you're not really an irony person. You're more like a pain-in-the-ass person, right?
4: Yes. Bye, Mr. Domi. Come on, I just want to cheer you up.
3: Look, um, you can't move in here, even if I'd like you to, but...
4: Would you like me to?
3: (sighs) No. I I said even if. Oh. Wait. The other offer is still on the table, all right? Which one? That you can come here whenever you wish.
4: Really? I can come here any time I like?
3: Yes. Almost any time. And since you're here now, you can stay for a while. You wanna watch TV or
4: no? Well,
3: what would you like to do then?
4: Do you know the Harry Potter novels?
3: <laughs> Not the novels, no. But I've seen the film.
4: Really, Mister Domi? At your age, which one? The
3: first and the second. One, two. Maybe the third and fourth was. Why are you smiling like an idiot? There wasn't anything else worth watching on the TV, all right?
4: There are loads of Harry Potter games on the Internet. Would you like to play loads of Harry Potter games on the Internet with me, Mr. Domi? God
3: forbid, no. you You have to think of something else.
4: Okay. Do you like chess, Mr. Domi?
3: Not really. I like backgammon better.
4: Are you any good at it?
3: (laughs) You bet. Back in the old days, I was the best in the whole secure. And my colleagues were always asking me, How did you do it, Dominic? How in the hell did you do it? Were they angry? Of course they were. People are always angry when someone else is better at something than they are. Especially if that someone wins all your money off of you.
4: Unfortunately, I don't know how to play backgammon. Can you teach me how to play backgammon, Mr. Domi?
3: Oh, come on, kid. I mean... Well, I guess I can. I just... uh... I'll have to find my old board... Please do. All right. But first you have to promise me something. You won't be sad if you lose.
4: Okay. I
3: promise.
4: That game is a really good game. Yes. Would you like to play another match?
3: No. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. How the hell did you do it? Let's do what? Ten games out of ten. You've you've only just learned how to play, for God's sake.
4: Forgive me if I've upset you, Mister Domi.
3: Don't be so damn polite all the time. All right? If you win, take responsibility. Be cocky about it.
4: Okay, I'll try. Another match?
3: All right. Na, 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 na. Shut the <laughs> fuck up. Okay.
4: Good afternoon, Mr. Domi.
3: What was school like?
4: A big gray building with noisy people in it.
3: You're just teasing me, right? Sorry. I mean, you understood the question. You're just pretending you didn't, right? Oh, you're not pretending. I, I, um, what I meant was by what was school like was <laughs> Yes,
4: I am teasing. <laughs> oh,
3: <laughs> go to hell.
4: Do You fancy a game of backgammon, Mr. Domi? No,
3: no, not right now.
4: Are you afraid of being beaten? Hell
3: no. I just want to talk.
4: What would you like to talk about?
3: About school. How was school?
4: Mm, room temperature.
3: <laughs> You're grown sassy, kid. And do your homework first, all right? Then we can play. What time do you have to be home?
4: Quarter to five on Fridays my beating starts around five, so I need to be prepared.
3: Oh for God's sake this has to stop. All right I'm I'll talk to your dad. about school. No, I want the beating to stop.
4: You want to tell him to stop beating us? Yes. Mrs. Coleman from the fourth floor did that. She told Dad to stop beating us. Mom says it wasn't such a good idea. Why is that? After Mrs. Coman left, Dad tied us to the radiator and kept us there till the next morning. And then he asked us if that method was better than taking a little beating. For me, it was a little better. But mom wasn't altogether satisfied with the method. So she told him that we'd rather have the beatings instead. Dad said, okay. Oh my. I know, I know, Mr. Domey, that it doesn't look good in the short term. And the other day when Dad said that if. We weren't happy with him. We should move somewhere else. I I came down to move in here. But I think that was the irony on his part, too, or maybe a metaphor. And he didn't really mean it. But don't worry, Mr. Domey, because Dad has long-term plans. And he beats us for the greater good because he wants to make me and Mom good people who know their places. And for that, we need to endure pain with dignity. Like, uh, like... Jesus Christ. Yes. Like Jesus Christ. Thank you.
3: What happened?
4: Voldemort's dead.
3: Oh, well, that—that uh, well, that was the point, wasn't it? This is why Harry Potter learned wizardry.
4: My friend, Voldemort, the dog. Oh,
3: oh, it was your friend, the dog. I'm sorry.
4: He was hit by a car. Oh, come
3: here, kid. Come. It's all right.
4: The school janitor took him away to bury him, but he wouldn't tell me where. I'm so sorry I couldn't spend more time with him. I'm so sorry I won't have anybody to share my lunch with. I'm so sorry I won't be with him this Sunday when it's my birthday. And I'm so sorry I've got snot all over your shirt, it's, Mr. Domi. It's all right.
3: It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Sunday's your birthday? This Sunday?
4: He did not even have a chance to have babies. Well,
3: he was a male dog, so...
4: You are male too, Mr. Domi, and you can have children. Don't you have any children, Mr. Domi?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I have a daughter.
4: Where is she? (laughs)
3: Abroad. Abroad. Somewhere.
4: How often do you see each other?
3: Um, never. Why? She got angry with me. Because? It's a long story. How long? I don't want to talk about it, all right? Why not? Because it... I did some things in the past which were... Uh, you know, which one could find... You know, if you're not fully aware of the circumstances.
4: I don't understand. Eh, you see, I'd be wasting my breath.
3: Because you wouldn't understand.
4: Do you think I'm a retard too, Mr. Domi? No,
3: I don't think you're a retard. I Look, I did some bad things to people in the past. How bad? I hurt them. Badly.
4: Were they stubborn, useless kids? No. Then why did you hurt them?
3: They were enemies of those I worked for.
4: Were they good people? The people you worked for?
3: Yes. Uh, Some of them. (sighs) Not really, no.
4: So you were on the wrong side, like the Germans in World War II, or Severus Snape in the Harry Potter books.
3: No, nothing like that. I... I don't know. I... Anyway, my daughter, when she was at college, she found out about my job about what I did I tried to explain to her but she said she was never going to talk to me again
4: That's a pity Would you like to talk to her again Mr. Domi I don't know I think you should It's not good to not talk to somebody A car might hit her, and then somebody will bury her somewhere, but they won't tell you where, and then you'll regret that you can't share your lunch with her anymore. I think you should start turning bad things good, like Germany after the war, or Severus Snape when he became headmaster. Actually, Snape wasn't a bad person. He just made some bad choices.
3: I tried to do good. I baked her a strawberry cake, but she was... (laughs) Why am I telling you all of this?
4: I love strawberry cake. You do. Yes, it's my favorite kind.
3: <laughs> well, she didn't even taste it anyway, even if I wanted to talk to her, I, I wouldn't know how i I don't know where she lives. I don't have her phone number I've I've lost her for good. I don't have anyone to talk to but an annoying schoolgirl.
4: You know another schoolgirl? Who is she? Is she from my school? Who is she? I. Can you help me with my homework, please, Mr. Domi?
3: It depends. Is it anything to do with metaphors or irony?
4: No. My logic teacher gave us a riddle.
3: Oh, a riddle. I like riddles.
4: So, there are three light switches up in the attic of an old house. Only one of them works. The light it turns on is in the cellar. We don't know which switch it is.
3: But we have to find out.
4: yes. We can manipulate the switches in any way we like, but we're only allowed one trip to the cellar.
3: Huh. So, we can flip the switches on and off however we want, and then go down to the cellar to check the bulb. But, we can't go back. We have to give the right answer down there.
4: Yes, I've tried every possible combination, Mr. Domi, and there's no way to tell which switch controls the light bulb. It only works if we're lucky, but luck isn't logical. You see, if we flip one of the three switches and the light bulb is turned on, then we're lucky, and the answer is the switch we flipped. But if the light is off, the right switch could be either of the two we didn't touch. If we flip two of the switches and the light still isn't on, then we're lucky it's the third switch. But if the light's on, the right switch could be either one of the two we flipped and we can't tell which one.
3: Maybe it's not just a question of logic.
4: Then what kind of question is it?
3: Just think about it. You step into my house. What happens if you turn on the light?
4: The bulb will come on.
3: But what happens to the bulb? Try to touch it.
4: It warms up.
3: <laughs> so, what do we do in that old house? We flip two switches and wait for ten Minutes. Then, we flip one of them back off again. We run down to the cellar. If the light is on, it's the switch we left on. If the light is off, we check the bulb. If it's warm, it's the switch we just turned off. If it's cold, it's the third switch. The one we never touched. See?
4: (laughs) What. What if it's a bulb that doesn't heat up?
3: Well, what do you mean doesn't heat up?
4: It could be an LED light bulb. The riddle doesn't say it isn't one. LED lights don't heat up. So we should consider that possibility as well.
3: I don't think so.
4: I think we should. We should try to solve the riddle taking every possibility into account. The
3: riddle's been solved, Lisa.
4: No, it hasn't. If we simply cross out possibilities whenever we like, we're bending the rules and we can't call it solved. But
3: it is solved. LED light bulbs didn't exist when they invented that riddle, all right? How do you know? Jesus Christ! Why do you always have to be like this? The riddle is fucking solved!
4: I have to go now. Thank you for trying to solve my riddle, Mr. Domi. I
3: I, I wasn't just trying, for God's sake. I did solve it. I've got to go. Don't. Please. Stay. If your father comes after you, I'll... I'll take care of him.
4: That would make things worse. He'd never let me visit you again. I have to hurry to get my beating.
3: No, I'm going with you.
4: Please don't. If you come up, I'll never see you again, and I don't want to never see you again because I love you. You... Thank you for trying to help me with my homework, Mr. Domi.
3: I wasn't just... All right. Sorry. Sorry. Just try to take care of yourself. Don't talk back. And and see you tomorrow.
4: Have a beautiful evening, Mr. Domi.
3: Fuck. Fuck.
4: Thank you for baking me such a delicious birthday cake, Mr. Domi
3: (laughs) I'm glad you liked it I wanted to give you something special
4: Thank you It's the best strawberry cake I've eaten since yesterday Yesterday? Yes Mom made me a strawberry cake, too, because she knows it's my favorite. She wanted to give it to me today, but I couldn't wait, so she let me taste it. Oh. Mom makes me a strawberry cake every weekend because she knows it's my favorite.
3: Oh.
4: You raised your eyebrows twice, Mr. Domi. Are you surprised?
3: (laughs) No. Not at all. If I had a penny for every time I baked a strawberry cake to try and surprise someone who eats strawberry cakes every week, I'd have a single bloody penny.
4: If I had my way, I'd eat strawberry cake every day. But I'm not allowed to, because Mom says I'd get diarrhea, and diarrhea is a nasty thing, especially when someone else from your family is in the toilet having diarrhea and you can't go in. Did it ever happen to you that you had diarrhea and you couldn't get to the
3: toilet in time? What kind of a question is that to ask a man of my age? Show some respect, kid.
4: Okay. Did it ever happen to you that you had diarrhea and you couldn't get to the toilet in time, Mr. Domi? Uh, No. Well, it happened to me. And just imagine, Mr. Domi... I'm not
3: interested, all right? Actually, your mother's right. Too much strawberry cake's not healthy. My late wife could have told you that.
4: It's a pity I never met your wife, Mr. Domi. What was she like?
3: She was... Like a wife. She was a... pediatrician.
4: She must have given you good massages while she was alive.
3: Why do you say that?
4: Isn't a... a pediatrician someone who touches your feet and your muscles?
3: No, that's a podiatrist. My wife didn't touch my feet. She touched children. But that's illegal. Oh, not like that, for God's sake. She cured them when they were ill. But we'll talk about my wife later. There's another matter we should talk about right now. Uh,
4: Why do you have the eyes of a melancholic French bulldog, Mr. Domi? Is it because of what I said about your wife? No,
3: no, it's. It's because of a deadline. Someone gave me a deadline, and I've got to go meet it by tomorrow.
4: What kind of deadline?
3: I wanted to give you something more special than a cake for your birthday, but I can't.
4: More special? Like what? Uh,
3: Like, um, dog.
4: A dog? But I'm not allowed to have a dog, Mr. Domi. I, I
3: know. I was thinking you could keep it here, in my apartment.
4: Oh, that's very nice of you, Mr. Domi. That would be better than anything. That would be a dream come true. That would fulfill my every get, desire. All right, all
3: right, would, all right, all right I, I get the picture.
4: I'm talking too much again, aren't I, Mister Domi?
3: <laughs> I I can't get you a dog, because, and I'd like you to be prepared for it. I I won't be around much longer. Me neither. I mean, I'll probably be going away in the near future. Me too. Just listen, all right? All right. Remember when I told you that I did some bad things in the past?
4: Yes. Are you going to prison, Mr. Domi? How the hell did.
3: Uh, yes. I'm probably going to prison.
4: <sighs> what a relief. Relief? Yes. I thought you were going to tell me that you also have a heart problem.
3: Uh, I do. You have a heart problem? Yes. What kind?
4: Do you know what a congenital heart defect is, Mr. Domi? Yes. A congenital heart defect is an abnormality of the heart structure, which is present at birth.
3: I said yes. I know what it is.
4: Sometimes people say yes to my questions because they don't want to look stupid or don't want to offend me.
3: Well, since I'm not stupid and I don't give a shit uh, whether you're offended or not, I think we can rule that possibility out.
4: Okay. Okay. I was born with pulmonary artresia and had open heart surgery while I was still in the hospital. I've had three other operations since then. I have an artificial heart valve, which saves my life, but on the other hand, it might also end my life because it has caused me um, subacute bacterial endocarditis. Do you know what subacute bacterial endocarditis is, Mr. Domi? No. It's a slowly developing infection that seriously damages the heart valves, and it can lead to heart failure. The antibiotics treatment didn't help. And the doctor said I need a new heart or I will die.
3: So you have to... You'll have a heart transplant.
4: That's pretty unlikely, Mr. Domi. It did cost 45,000 euros. We don't have that kind of money and there's no chance of raising it either. So I'm probably going to die soon.
3: You're kidding me, right? No. That is not fair. Oh, and finally, I, I, I have somebody. You no, know, we just started, for God's sake. It's so much to tell you about my life, about my wife, my, my. That's not fucking fair. Are you angry, Mr. Domi? Of course I'm fucking angry. And disappointed.
4: I'm sorry for disappointing you with my premature death, no, Mr. Domi. That's
3: not how I meant it. I don't know. Sorry, it was a stupid reaction. God must really have it in for you, kid. You and your mother. He totally sucker-punched you. But why?
4: Maybe he is insecure. Our teacher told us only last week that those who hit other people are usually insecure.
3: Maybe. But why? Why? Why does it have to be you? From all the people I know, why does it have to be you who has this heart defect?
4: My doctor has a theory. Do you know what the Securitate is, Mr. Domi? What? The Securitate. It was the secret police agency of Romania before 1989. Now, Mom was tortured by the Securitate during the early stages of her pregnancy because the Securitate thought she was performing illegal abortions bet she wasn't. My doctor says that might be the cause of my illness. I mean, not my mom not performing illegal abortions, but the torture she went through. Jesus. What's wrong, Mr. Domi?
3: Jesus Christ. She does look like his mother-in-law.
4: I don't understand.
3: Your mother. This can't be true. This. 17 years. That's 1989. 1989. I'll make it up to you, all right. Don't worry. I'm. I'll make it up to you. Just. Trust me, all right.
4: If you say so, Mr. Domi.
5: Good evening, Colonel. Thanks for coming. No problem. Get your jacket. Let's go for a drink somewhere. You want to get drunk?
3: No, but I prefer to talk someplace else where there's, you know, uh, a crowd. I hate crowded places. Let's talk here. It's safe. Don't forget. It's not me who plants bugs in old colleagues' houses. <laughs> Come on
5: now, you—you you, you can't blame me for taking precautions. It's things like that that make us the second most efficient intelligence service in Eastern Europe. Oh,
3: the second in Eastern Europe! <laughs> I'm really proud. It's—it's it's like having the second biggest prick in kindergarten. You want a brandy?
6: No, thanks. I'd rather. What? Uh, I—I'd rather have two. <laughs> <laughs> that
5: oh, I am glad you've changed your mind would have been a shame, you know, to, to see you go down. Right. The second you do it,
3: we will call the journalist off. I may have changed my mind, but I have some conditions. You have conditions? Yes, two to be precise. One, I want you to track down my daughter. I want her address and phone number. Hmm, that shouldn't be a problem. Two, I want 45,000 euros... You want what? You heard me. Ah, you must be out of your mind. Don't tell me you can't afford it. We paid Carlos the Jackal five million U.S. dollars. Forty-five thousand euros is chicken feed compared to that.
5: Yeah, but we paid him to kill General Pachepa, not to have dinner with him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you're in a position to make such demands. You know what'll happen if you don't do
3: this. Yes, you won't get the info you need. And you'll rot in prison. And your superiors will be very disappointed because you didn't do your job. And you'll rot in prison. And state security will remain
5: in danger. And you'll remain
3: rotting in prison. I'm prepared for that, obviously. So, tell me something else I should worry about. You'll die a disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, look... It's not your money. It's the SRIs. So why should you care? Because that's not how it works.
5: In case you hadn't noticed, this isn't an official job. How the hell could we justify the disappearance of that much money? It's just
3: impossible. Oh, I'm sure you could make it possible. You have to.
5: What do you want with 45,000 euros anyway? You need a heart transplant or something?
3: That's not your concern. Your concern is to get me the money. I can't do it. You must do it or I won't do the job. Okay. Okay?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll talk to my superior. You'll get the money when the job's done.
3: No. I'll... Talk to your superior. About the money? No, about football. What do you think? You really want to beg money from Major General Grossu? Grossu? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You mean that pompous monkey shit is Major General now?
5: Yes. I mean, he's not a pompous (laughs) monkey. Major General Grossu is very generous and... A good man. You know.
3: All right. I want to talk to him. You want me to do this? You put me through to him. Okay, here. Will you give me your phone? Well, call him. I don't know his number. It's not a phone. You can talk. He's listening. Yes. Hello? Who? Who? what monkey no, no I was just joking you've probably changed a lot yes that's what I want yes that would be perfect oh, after the job's done, of course thank you bye Uh, that's more like it, Alex all right, then, give me the lowdown. First, you need to know the name of the suspect. No, I don't need to know that.
5: I think you do. Because it's someone you're familiar with. Who? <laughs>
3: cool. Chief Inspector Prada. Is that meant to be some kind of a joke? Am I laughing? But Chief Inspector Prada is. He's. I know, he's like
5: a sister to you or whatever. No, he's. He's a. No, let's. Not start with this again, Dominic, because the last time we ruled out all your stupid family
3: members. No, I mean, he's a patriot. He'd never do anything that threatened this. He sec-
5: says that any security threat to the present government is probably good for the rest of the country. Does that way of thinking ring a bell at all? And I don't understand. Has he turned into an anarchist? It's more like he's turned into a greedy motherfuckerist. But. What has he done? Oh. You've probably seen it on TV. The defense minister has resigned, and the presidential spokesman has hopped it with him. We know they worked with Prada, and Prada has sold secret information about the administration to powerful people, foreign businessmen, people who with that information may directly influence legislation in other words, the fate of the country. That's what we know. What we don't know is you know the rest. Precisely what it was he sold and precisely who it was he sold it to. We've got to find out as quickly as possible in order to counteract the threat. And that's where you come in with your cutlery set.
3: No. I can't do it. Not to him. You must. I won't do it.
5: Not that. Not to him. No. There's no way back now, Dominic. You'll meet him in an empty warehouse.
3: (laughs) Oh, an empty warehouse. How imaginative.
5: (laughs) We're the SRI, not J.K. Rowling. I'll drive you there tomorrow at 2 a.m. and pick you up at 3 a.m. An
3: hour has to be enough for you. It won't be, because I won't do it. I'll go to prison if I have to, but I won't do it.
5: I'm not asking, Dominic. Not anymore. Don't you understand? If you don't do it, prison will be the most pleasant part of what's in store for you. No. You
3: don't understand. prada he's my... He made me who I am. Yeah
5: then maybe it's time you considered being someone else. Look, if you do this, the SRI will look at you as a hero. If not, well sometimes heroes commit suicide too.
3: I've done something terrible, Lisa. I've. What have you done, Mr. Please Domi? Please try not to interrupt me. Just this once, all right? Okay. I've done something terrible. I've.
4: What have you done, Mr. Domi?
3: <sighs> you call this not interrupting.
4: Sorry, Mr. Domi. I've tried so many times not to speak when I'm not supposed to, but I'm still not sure how to do it.
3: How about not opening your mouth at all? That might work, in my opinion.
4: Okay, Mr. Domi, if you think so. I'll try it.
3: Listen. Last night I hurt somebody. The man to whom I've been the most grateful in my entire life. The funny thing is that I, I thought I wouldn't have the guts to do it, but I didn't feel anything. It should have been like killing a god, but instead it was like an ordinary job, like pulling out rusty nails from an old table with a claw hammer. When I came home, I sat on that couch until the sun came up. I was so shocked I couldn't even move, not because of what I did to the man, but by the banality of it. I was shocked because it made me realize that we are what we do best, and this is what I am a ruthless automaton who makes other people's lives miserable. I don't regret a single thing I've done, I regret that I exist. I wanted to do this for you, my child. They promised me money, but they double-crossed me. I'll get nothing. What I'll get is... They won't send me to prison. That's all. I should ask you to forgive me, but the truth is, I don't want to be forgiven.
0: Do you
4: think it should be a dachshund or a pug, or maybe a Boston Terrier or a Yorkshire Terrier? What do you think, Mr. Domi?
3: <laughs> what do I think? What, what do I think? I, I, I think that I was making a serious speech and you ruined it. What's wrong with you? I pour out my heart to you and you start yapping on about dogs.
4: Sorry, Mr. Domi, but since you're not going to prison, I thought I might get that dog you promised me after all.
3: What does your mom say? If it wasn't for your father, would, would she let you have a dog?
4: Yes, she would.
3: All right, then. You'll get your dog.
4: Thank you, Mr. Domi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nobody has ever given me such a life-changing present as you, Mr. <laughs> Domi.
3: That's for sure.
4: So, what kind of dog do you think I should choose?
3: One to which you'd gladly entrust your soul. For him to guide it through the afterlife.
4: It's so exciting. And I can keep it here in your apartment.
5: Oh, you won't have to. How come?
3: Well, you just leave that to me. Now, I need you to go to the pet shop and buy a dog collar. Here, take this money with you. What type of collar? Oh, just a plain collar with a buckle. Go buy a collar. Don't come back until 4.30.
4: 4.30.
3: That's right. Come back at four thirty, but not a minute earlier. You understand? Yes. All right. Goodbye, my child. I'd like to report a murder. I'm going to commit. Uh, Be more specific. Yes, I can. Uh, The victim is going to be a man in his 40s. He's in good health for the time being. We're going to have dinner together. We'll start with the number 15 scalpel. I'll make the first incisions on the armpits and the popliteal, being very careful not to touch the arteries. Then I'll cut both his Achilles tendons with a Harrington Mayo scissor. Did you know that a man can suffer approximately 3,600 incisions on his body before he dies? but they need to be very precise cuts. Uh, next come... Ah, 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 just listen, please. You wanted details, yeah? Next come some deep punctures with a Joseph knife. One puncture in each elbow, one in each kneecap, and finally one in the inguinal canal. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are so painful that at this point the dinner partner is usually lose their consciousness. I, 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 I no, ma'am, I, I don't want you to give me to your colleague. <laughs> Let me finish, please. Or, or I'll never tell you where I am. All right. All right. Anyway. When he wakes up, I'll cut all his membranes between his toes. I'll use a number eight blade, or, or... Well, maybe just a sheet of paper. Then comes the amputation of his fingers and toes with a gilly saw, one by one. Then I'll remove his nipples with a sickle knife. I'm going to need at least a number 26 scalpel for what comes next. I'll cut out slices from the fleshy parts of his body, the pectorals, thighs, calves, hamstrings. You won't believe me, but at this point one can observe To see on the dinner partner's face This is when I'll call again To give you my exact location Now The most important thing Uh, Please write this down I need you To bring me two things If you ever want to find me First A box full of ice For the dinner partner's heart His relative needs a heart transplant. I I don't know how these things work, but please bring the ice just in case. The second thing. Bring a French bulldog puppy. It's going to be a present for a very nice girl. So I need a healthy puppy. With big melancholic eyes. And that's all for now. I wish you a very nice day.
0: I Regret Nothing was written by Chubba DeKay and produced by Jen Zobel, Katrin Redfern, Matt Fiddler, and me, Ann Poston. Audio engineering by Kevin Ramsey. Dominic is played by Paul Valley, Alex by Rob Neal and Lisa by Jocelyn Kuritsky, under Sarah Cameron Sunda's direction. Special thanks to Madeline McCormick and Harvestworks. Now that you've heard the entire play, we'd like to provide some additional context about the history it discusses. Here's more from my co-producer Jen Zobel's interview with Cevaseke in Braun Romania.
1: Are the play's characters modeled after specific historical figures, or are they composites of multiple individuals who served in or supported the regime? There are some actual people, such as the poet Adrian Păunescu, for example, who are named in the play. Can you talk a little bit about those sort of background characters who are discussed in the... News broadcasts and in the dialogue between Alex and Dominic?
6: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, Adrian Pawanescu was and he is uh, still a very very popular poet. He used to be the poet of the Ceausescu regime. He he wrote many poems um, glorifying that that regime. Obviously, he had he had the talent to be a poet in his own right. But what he has written many. Um, propaganda poems and uh, as people who knew him sometimes say he was not a very good person either so that scene where they talk about he throws um, the bones of uh, the chicken bones to the, to the children that actually happened uh, we, we didn't have uh, meat in the stores at that time so when a child sees meat and smells the the, the, the fried chicken, he would like to taste it and, and Adrian Powonesku, the poet said after when they were sitting on the terrace uh, eating and and uh, and the children were, were going there to, to ask for meat and he was throwing the, the, the bones, the chicken bones to them. So that's one thing that happened and there's another character which is... I changed his name because, because he's... Uh, Adrian Ponescu is different because he's, he's the history. I mean, what I just told you, it actually happened. And it, it's uh, told in the play by a, a character. In the case of um, the Vidraru character, it's a little bit different because... Um, he will actually go to prison. His real name is, is Vichinescu. At the time of, of writing this play, I didn't know what will happen with him. He was facing charges because he tortured many people while he was uh, head of uh, the prison, Rumni Kusarat prison. And because of his age, he, he cannot serve his, uh, his uh, punishment. He, but he will, uh, as it turns out. But So I, I, I changed his name because I didn't know how, how it would ter- turn out. What the Securitate, the secret police, has committed is also a little bit changed because I mixed the old Securitate with the new Securitate. The old Securitate before the rise of Ceausescu, after the Second World War, before the rise of Ceausescu, was much more brutal and Ceaușescu changed the, all, all the, the people from the, the head of Securitate and from that time on they used much more uh, psychological terror than, than actual physical torture. But I wanted to show that what, what the system was, what, uh, what the Securitate meant. So even if you you were not tortured, literally. You were not beaten. When the Securitate came for you, you knew that they're gonna hurt you. They, they were, they were going to hurt you. You couldn't know how. Um, maybe they just give you a few slaps and uh, then leave you in a room for three days without food or water. Um, or maybe they were just uh, <laughs> sitting. Uh, with you and and saying that um, we know who uh, you know what we can do with your family if you don't tell us this and that. I tried try to think about a man who was actually part of this um, this mechanism, and I asked myself if such a man could change. What makes a man do those things? And is it possible to be regretful about those things? Be, is it possible to be a different person after, uh, after everything changes around you? So that's, that's what I tried to, to find out.
1: So the character of Dominic is not specifically modeled after a historical figure, or the, the other two characters, neither?
6: No, no, the main characters are not historical, they are not existing um, people, but I I, um, I know people who, who worked for the the government at that time, and I know that they don't regret what, what they did. Um, there are many cases of um, finding out who informers were, and sometimes informers Informers for the Securitate, which meant that if you were talking about uh, the Ceaușescu regime in a badly manner, if you were at a party, let's say, for a party, and you would say um, Ceaușescu is a monkey, then you could be sure that somebody in that company is an informer and tomorrow somebody will come after you and ask you why did you say that he is a monkey? He was a monkey, and maybe they would beat you, or so you 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 just couldn't know. And um, after '89, you could go to the the, the arch, archives and find out who was your informer, who was the informer who who was in your 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 company, and sometimes uh, we know cases at then. The, when they apologized, but in most cases, they said, I did it for survival. Mm. So I think they are, it's it's a very complex uh, problem. So sometimes they really did it for for survival. Um, They blackmailed you if you were homosexual, if any of your relatives were homosexual, if you had committed a small crime in the past and um, they, they could say that we know you did that and uh, you will face 10 years in prison if you don't become our informer. And they had people everywhere. So I tried to understand uh, this, uh, this issue as well.
1: Um, what served as the source material for the graphic descriptions of torture in the play? Did you do research using the partially opened... Archives of the secret police or did that come from other sources? It's my understanding that the archives themselves are rather euphemistic in their descriptions of what was being done at the time. So if they weren't as graphic as some of the descriptions in the play, what served as the source for that? Uh,
6: No, yes, yes, they are very... uh, You cannot find out these, these things from the archives. I... No, I read about the torture methods um, as much as I could. And uh, I know that there, there is a Chinese torture method called uh, Thousand Cuts, maybe, and um, Ceausescu loved Chinese and North Korean methods. Everything became uh, much darker when after his first visit to the Far East. There he, he saw how North Koreans are, are, how that government works, how those people glorify their leader. So when he came back, he wanted to do the same here. And I thought that I should choose a torture method which w- was used by the people in the Far East for the simple reason that it's, it's graphic enough to be, to be shocking on the stage or, or I mean, just tell, by telling it. Because it, it is not shown, it's, it's shocking enough by by just telling it. If you say that we ask him to to stand on his feet for three days without food, it's not shocking. You have to be more violent. So we don't know what their methods were exactly. But what I found out was that they used that um, shoe beating method. They beat. They used to beat the soles of their suspects and you couldn't feel that uh, it wasn't very painful but because of those tremors your organs started to fall off so that was one of them the cat method was another torturing method i read about that the security used uh, a cat was in, introduced under the shirt of of a suspect um,
1: so if, if not actually described explicitly in the archives, what are the sources for
6: that information?: uh, there, are, there are memories of uh, people you can find on the internet. Um, there's even in the, uh, on the Facebook uh, a, a page where people write their memories about communism, Romanian people you can find out uh, many things there or if you if you look up securitate uh, even even on the wikipedia in the romanian version you can find something about how they treated their suspects
0: jan and i jointly interviewed cristina vatulescu who teaches in the Department of Comparative Literature at NYU, and whose book, Police Aesthetics, Literature, Film, and the Secret Police in Soviet Times, was published by Stanford University Press in 2010.
1: So let's start off by having you tell us more about your book, Police Aesthetics, Literature, Film, and the Secret Police in Soviet Times, and your research in the Romanian secret police archives. How did their partial opening impact scholarship, uh, journalism, and the public?
2: Yeah, thank you for asking that question. So um, I started doing research on my book right when um, the Secret Police Archives in Romania opened in uh, 2000. What I was interested in was the relationship between policing practices and cultural practices. So what I ended up doing was an anatomy of the Secret Police personal file, which I see as one of the most powerful genres of writing of the Soviet period, and I look at it in relationship to other genres of writing, like the novel and autobiographical writing, and I see it as a form of very powerful biography, which can not only record, but also change a life. So I looked at at files and also at films that the secret police uh, made of the camps of prisoners and sometimes of um, interrogations as well as of surveillance methods, which were less well-known.
0: How aware would you say the public was of the extent of the domestic surveillance and torture during the Ceaușescu regime?
2: Um, I think people were very aware of the fact that, you know, their phones could be listened to at any point, that they could get into trouble for telling a joke that... If you spoke to a foreigner, you would be asked to go into the securitate and give a report about what you what your conversation entailed. Um, you know, it was illegal to host a foreigner, for example. So, people who did that, who had friends or relatives from abroad coming in would be called the in the late years of communism, so th- this is something that the play might maybe doesn't make as clear, I think it's important to the plot of the play and it might bear clarifying that there was a real shift from outright torture from about 48 to 64 and then repression through surveillance and through more maybe subtle, sophisticated, still completely terrible, means of control in the 70s and the 80s. At that point, what the Secretate was doing, they had the system of calling people in for intimidation sessions, or what they called positive influence sessions rather than arresting people and putting them into prison. I think, you know, people knew, but, but probably there was a lot of variation in what they believed and also, you know, lived experiences.
1: I'm wondering if you could draw any other connections uh, between the U.S. and Romania in terms of the way um, torture and domestic surveillance practices have been rationalized in public discourse and political rhetoric and so on.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, when I started working on this in the late 90s, um, and I started giving talks, I was doing it in the US, and, and people listened to it very politely, but as if I was speaking about something really far away and concerning others and that could never happen to us, you know? And then as the 2000s rolled on, I started getting more and more the kind of questions that You ask now, and people drawing their own connections between the situation in Romania and practices in the U.S. And I also started noticing that some of the most, in some ways, unbelievable, outrageous practices in Romania, like, for example, putting someone in prison for who they were, rather for what they had done, right, started becoming more common in the U.S. when somebody became a suspect for being an Arab or, you know, you had this profiling um, practices or the Leninist doctrine of um, having preemptive imprisonment without trial uh, for people who might be dangerous. So having people in prison for preventing plots Lenin called it, became something that we saw in the US. So it, it really surprised me how quickly we went from seeing this practice as something that we could never do in the US, you know, that is just completely other to us, to accepting them as a matter of a necessity that is definitely questionable. Um, and then, you know, there, there's even kind of the co- confluence of these two practices. The CIA had a black site um, in Romania, and Romania agreed to hosting the site in order to get into NATO. And they, the site that was used was on a residential street in the middle of Bucharest, it was the building for classified information from the European Union and NATO so you know things came together in a way that i think in the late 1990s we wouldn't have thought possible
1: we have a question about abortion in romania so it's our understanding that it was it is currently legal and was legal prior to the ceaușescu regime but was largely illegal during that time the time of his regime with exceptions made for only a few circumstances. So could you discuss the play's storyline about the torture of Liza's mother and the extent to which people who received, advocated for, or provided abortions were persecuted?
2: Yes, so what happened is that Romania went pretty much overnight in 1966 from having the most liberal abortion policy in Eastern Europe to having the most draconian um, abortion policy in Eastern Europe and also contraceptives became illegal. So it was really um, an incredibly dark part of Romanian history and one of the least maybe obvious parts of communist repression in Romania, but one of the m- most overreaching in the sense that pretty much every woman and child in Romania was affected by this, by this policy, by uh, the specter of being wanted or unwanted. We all had names, the kids that we were, who were born after 66, we were called the which is called the child of the decree. Um, And after 66, the year when, um, when this law was passed, the birth rate doubled, so it had a huge effect because women were using abortion as their main method of contraception before 66. So it it was really a huge, huge deal. And it's oftentimes not spoken when people talk about communist repression, when they speak about, you know, prisons and camps and torture. That's not something that's often talked about. So I was very glad that the play brought this into its center, because I think that it really was part and parcel of everyday experience in Romania. So in that sense, I think the plot is very believable. Is it possible that the woman who was pregnant could have been arrested and tortured? it's possible. The range of the possible was very, um, was huge. That's that's part of what was so scary about living in communism, that a lot was possible.
0: Thanks for listening to Play for Voices. We hope you enjoyed our production of I Regret Nothing. To hear extended versions of our interviews with k and Christina Vatulescu, please visit our website at playforvoices.com. There you can also learn more about our podcast, including how to support us with a charitable donation. And please subscribe to Play for Voices in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave us a review to help spread the word. Thanks. Play for Voices. Play for Voices. Play for
1: Voices.
0: Play for Voices.